more about co-housing with Lynn Morstead and Kelly Soika. Co-housing Houston is a multi-generational, community-minded group of people who share the values of connection and sustainability. We're developing the first co-housing project in Texas, and we're really glad you found us today. Hey, Kelly. Hey, I was just thinking about our uh, community retreat this last weekend. We had a lovely community retreat. Yes. Yes. It was so nice. So the weather here in Houston, I know we complained about it all summer long. So I would like everyone (laughs) to know it is October and it is gorgeous out. So we celebrated that by spending all of our time indoors. Uh, I know. But we you did like have those, a really beautiful lunch outside. That was so nice. Did you like how on the feedback, it's like the sheet is still taped to the wall in my room here. I haven't typed it up yet. One of the main feedbacks was, please schedule these things when the weather is bad. <laughs> <laughs> From here on out, our retreat yeah. weekend is mid-August. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so one of the things that we did in the retreat that I thought was really interesting, um, as people may or may not know, drumroll, we have um, construction going Boom. on our site. Yay. <laughs> So because we are really, truly fully done with that uh, stage of our community building, we're working now on our community agreements, how we'll live together. But mm-hmm. then a lot of those community agreements wind up with, well, what if we still have a problem with this person, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, right. so pets, you can have pets, but mm-hmm. what if, you know, what if you have a problem with the owner or, you know, rentals, great, we can have some rentals, we'll work out those details. But what if you have a problem with the person who's mm-hmm. in so we're now trying to work on our they're going to approach conflict resolution. Kelly, yes. um, we just lost a little bit of a connection with you. So could you just repeat what you said? Oh so God. we are now going to work First, on. We're going to work on our conflict resolution work. Okay. We are going to work on how we will come together when uh, when things are not going well. So I mm. expect we'll eventually wind up with like a flow chart or something. Don't you think, Lynn? Well, if I have anything to do with it, I would love to see it be in a flow chart mode. Yes. So that I know, <laughs> okay, I'm walking down this road. Here's a decision point. Take right or left or go to this person, go to that person. That would be lovely. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I think that one of the things that we um, are trying to do before we even, you know, put that into place is to figure out who we are and how we come Mm. at decisions, how we come together, how, what motivates us in our actions. And so Lynn, do you want to talk a little bit about what our first stab at this involved? Yeah. So we are really lucky that we have somebody in our group who's a trained facilitator in the Enneagram. And it was surprising to me that a lot of people hadn't heard about the Enneagram or hadn't done the Enneagram. So the Enneagram is just one of many um, tools or methods of taking a look at what motivates us, what drives us, um, and what, you know, some people like to call it a personality, kind of a profile assessment tool. But really, I think the thing that distinguishes an Enneagram from all these others, first of all, it has been around for thousands of years. So it has, you know, uh, it has survived the test of time and many civilizations. 
But the other thing is that it really gets to the core of what motivates you as opposed to uh, how do you behave on the surface? Because that can actually look quite differently depending on how you're motivated. So um, one of our members had a very interesting approach to doing this, any kind of a, uh, introducing one of these um, ways of looking at personalities or, or individuals that I've never really come across before. She, it was a gentle invitation to take a look at the different types as opposed to showing up at the very beginning, the first half hour, everybody takes an assessment. We have a number or we have a category, we have a label, and then we spend the rest of the day or the orientation trying to figure out like, why are we that thing or resisting that thing yeah. or having a fight about it with the person who created this thing and getting inadvertently boxed into that thing? And I thought it was just so beautiful, especially given that the group was at different levels of even feeling comfortable about getting involved with one of these tools again. And it was just absolutely beautiful. We just walked through the different types. She talked about the different types in terms of what their communication style was, what their core motivation was, what their self-talk is, coping strategies, blind spots. So by the time we walked through all nine, which I was really impressed with people's, the level of interest was so high in what we were doing that people didn't get fidgety and go, okay, are we done already? We've only finished number four. When are we going to get to number nine? I thought it was just beautiful. I've never been a part of anything like that. So yeah, I, it really, it, it was a beautiful gentle invitation I can't emphasize that enough I hadn't really thought about that Lynn that by having everyone kind of come to it and evaluate themselves look at mm -hmm. see what resonated with them and then add their own to you know their own ideas about what they think is their motivation and how they've seen that show up in different ways that that then nobody spent the rest of the time kind of fighting with the test mm -hmm. or you know, spending their energy doing that. Yeah, that is interesting. It makes me think about consensus that when people have a lot of agency in how it comes together, that then they don't spend a lot of time, you know, fighting with the result, but rather work with the result. Um, yeah, nice. Love oh, I love the way you connect that back to consensus because sure. I, and I think that's all of us learning about how to approach community work in a different way. Yeah. Um, more yeah. from the side instead of the top down mm -hmm. and just, yeah, it was powerful. Great lesson. Well, okay. I'm going to so, share we gonna say, okay. this at three and a seven, walk into a co-housing meeting because Lynn and I are not the same number at all. We have different. Thank God, numbers. right? I know. <laughs> yeah. So I am a seven. If you know anything about the Enneagram, the seven, let me give you my title for seven. I have my book in front of me. Oh yeah. Let's hear Enthusiastic it. Visionary is the seven. Um, but more importantly is I'm motivated by a sense of possibility. The mm. thing that motivates me to do something is a sense of possibility, a sense of uh, a kind of hopefulness. So they also, at the beginning of the, of the, um, of the retreat, you got your name tag and then you had to write your superpower on it. This was before we did any of the other work. And so I think that my superpower is optimism, that I will come with optimism to things and I will... I use optimism to pull me through a lot of stuff. And so then reading about seven, I was like, well, yeah, that probably is. That all tracks, it all tracks together. You um, know, Kelly, so I just want to also, 
I also want to connect with you when you talk about this sense of possibility, because one of the things that you do when you talk about co-housing with people, you talk about as being a great social experiment. Yeah. And I think that really connects well with your motivation for, you know, possibilities for future improvement of the way we live. Yeah, that is very true. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. actually maybe my whole, co- my whole motivation for living in co-housing is that I see it as something that is new or different than the way that the rest of the world works. Yeah. Well, did, you, did you learn anything else about yourself that you want to talk about, like in terms of other, other types in the room that maybe you had different reactions to? Yeah. Well, I think that's the thing that I found useful about this is that not only, I mean, it's fun to like find out about yourself, right. Or maybe Mm -hmm. it only is for sevens, who knows, but it's fun to do that. But the useful thing about doing this in the context of a community is that it gives you some other tools for dealing with people who aren't like you, because a lot of people aren't motivated by a sense of possibility. A lot of people are motivated by a sense of security, or mm-hmm. we often talk about kind of linking co-housing to what is already known, you know, linking the way that people already are living, that they also need to see that in co-housing, which is also true. It's not all just, you know, a sense of optimism. Um, but so it's interesting because the eights, we were running through that and the eights mm-hmm. give you their, their one-liner, the active controller. Um, so an eight is kind of the loud voice in the room who has a lot of you know power and control over the group. Um, as I was reading through how sevens like to receive feedback, it says, oh, they don't like it when people just pull rank or mm. you know, just show up because they're important. And egalitarianism is very important to me. It's something Mm. I really work hard to cultivate. And I get really frustrated when people show up and say, it's going to be this way because I say it's going to be this way. And that's something that eights can show up. Not all of them do. A lot of them are, you know, adults and have been through a lot and they've learned that that doesn't always work with everybody. But I thought that was interesting. So it gave me some insight into people aren't doing it because they are, um, you know, trying to to foil things, they might just be doing it because they're motivated by helping mm. control the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's really very useful to kind of break out of, or or, or just kind of deepen our understanding of why we think certain things are right. It's not yeah. because they're inherently right, but it's <laughs> yeah. because of where we're coming from. Yes. Yeah. Because they resonate with what I think is right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or, where, or the way you operate, you know, kind of understanding that. Yeah. Well, um, you want to know what I am? I do. I want to know what you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you already knew it before we even took the test. So I am, for our listeners, I'm a three. And the label for the three is the successful achiever. And um I like it that you've mentioned that we put superpowers on our badges because I've forgotten about that. And the superpower that I put on my badge early in the morning before we even got into any of this was organizing stuff. Um, I really wanted to say organizing shit, but I didn't want to have to have that thing, you know, displayed out there all week. Explain all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And so, you know, things that I find frustrating when they're not, you know, is that when shit doesn't get done, then I start to feel agitated um, because I feel like I'm a part of this group and I'm sort of, you know, taking on responsibility for stuff getting done overall. And mm-hmm. so then that's why I'm I'm sometimes it's dangerous. I will leap in 
and just help get something done just because that sort of connects with my own need to get stuff done. So it's but very- Lynn, I think it's really important because you don't, you're not leaping in because you think the other person can't do it right, or right. won't do it. You're just leaping in because it satisfies your personal need to just get it done, which I think is really important in the context of community. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful insight. Yeah. Well, and of course, there's other tests that I've done, like the strengths test, where I come out with my number one strength is responsibility. So I will take responsibility for everybody else's, like my family's to-do list has for years been on my to-do list as well. I finally have disconnected from that practice, but it's really hard, you know. Um, so anyway, um, I think the other thing that that you were talking about that I found interesting that you were able to do as much of this and that is that you were actually looking around the room and as people were saying oh I feel like I'm probably one of these or one of those or one of the others I know that you were really good about leaping out of your own head and starting to say oh well that explains why we interact in a certain way and I found myself pretty deep down in my own stuff on the weekend and really sorting out my own understanding about my own threeness. Um, and the only time I was able to really connect with others was when we got into the small breakout groups, which which really kind of just a light bulb went on for me at the very end of the whole day, the two days we were doing feedback. I realized that one of the reasons why I put on that list as I would have liked more small breakout time is because that was the only place where I was able to really get into a deeper understanding of other people's and start to connect with, oh, that's why this is hard for me with them. And and um, I think one other thing that I wanted to say about the Enneagram overall that for me personally was very useful and I had a really powerful one-on-one -on -one sharing with one other person in the group was that we both connected with how our parents um, had, were instrumental in uh, you know, the way that we were raised, that it created mm. this drive for us to... Um, demonstrate achievement because our parents just always expected us and to do these things and they were never you know we didn't grow up in the everybody gets a trophy phase of life in fact mm -hmm. in our house like nobody got a trophy and mm -hmm. if you came home with A's well there was no big fanfare it was like well of course you got A's that's what is expected of you and I always wanted some praise I guess at least good job you know and I never really got that so I kept trying to achieve more and more, but, you know, we buried my father last year. So maybe I can, you know, maybe <laughs> I can hang that up and become, but I don't know what other, where I'm going to migrate to. So anyway, enough about all of that, that all of that by way of saying is that I, I'm now looking forward to a subsequent conversation with the group about this now that I've kind of put my own understanding, um, better together for myself. So well, this is something that I hadn't even thought about Lynn really, but you know, as you're saying that it's not something I would have known about you. Like I definitely know that you are good at achieving things and that you have very, um, you know, I don't know, you're, you're good at setting goals and achieving them and making sure that everything gets done. But the motivation for that, I did not know that about you. So I guess the other value I would say in doing this as a community is that now as a neighbor, I just literally know more about you on a deeper level than I did before. And so it's not even for any purpose, like, 
we're, we're still going to, you know, I'm sure brush up against each other, or we're still going to, there are going to be times when your three and my seven are not mixing well or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Who cares? But more importantly, I just know something about you that I value and that I think is important. And so I think that doing this kind of work as a community just lets you fulfill the co-housing goal of knowing your neighbors at a different level, you know, of being there. Well, and also, I mean, the other thing that really struck me is that when I've been in other discussions about Enneagrams or other types, you will inevitably find because of the amount of 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 uh, sameness to any group that comes together that you have gaps and i would say that by the end of the conversation on saturday we discovered that there was representation from all types in the room <laughs> you know the seven of me is like let's use that in our marketing not yeah. only do we have every decade covered but we have every enneagram <laughs> we do this is a big thing because i was actually the last time i did an enneagram kind of all day training somewhere it was in a, a contemplative community setting there was not one single eight in the room it was a room of about 50 people and there were only three of us in the three category. So I thought that that was a really interesting how these people had kind of like birds of a feather had kind of migrated in a certain area. And I was really, really struck by that because I think that speaks all the more to the co-housing Houston group having collected a diverse group, but also this builds resilience. Because yeah. whatever one person's strength is or motivation or core motivation, we've got the whole spectrum covered and that will make us more resilient. Yes. Oh, yeah. So when, you know, so when my three is all about accomplishing and doing things in this certain way and Kelly's expansive possibility thinking comes when, when we need that expansion and that possibility thinking I know Kelly is going to get us there and she is going to get me out of the ditch, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I just think that's, it's, it's, it's creates sometimes a little bit more friction, but that's what makes you stronger. Yeah. It's the friction where you grow. I was mm-hmm. laughing because one of the icebreakers was how do you feel about rules in our group? Right. And so, <laughs> and I was in a small group with uh, Lynn's husband and neither of us really care for rules. <laughs> We had a long conversation about how we were No, this is a big problem in my house. They're good for other people. (laughs) We don't always want to follow them ourselves. But then I'm looking at the number one, the strict perfectionist, and we have ones in our group. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think this, this tension of like, I care about this person who is a one. And so I'm going to need to just, you know, dial it down or or not, you know, not go with my natural inclination um, and instead, you know, act out of care and um, concern for the people around me as well. Um, so it's it's nice to know that. <laughs> well, I am really, I feel like we just, you know, scratched the surface of this on Saturday. And I think what we did, I was talking to our facilitator afterwards. I said, what she did so masterfully, and I don't know that this was even part of her long-term objective for this, is I think she created an appetite for this and she created a a pull rather than a push coming from any kind of a central group. She created a pull for people to learn more and to engage more deeply in conversation. And I think I'm looking forward to more one-on-one conversation. I feel like now I've got a language. I can say to somebody in the group, I say, well, you know, where did you find yourself migrating towards? 
Um, And I like that conversation around what were you drawn to, what resonated as opposed to what did the test spit out as your number, you know? (laughs) What did the automaton you put in your quarter, what did it tell you? The AI, you know, robot (laughs) behind all of this said, you, thou art forevermore a number six, you know. Well, you know, the next thing that um, she is planning to tackle, she included this in our packet of information, but we didn't go through it. But it's something that I think is really helpful. And that I think communities that are considering doing this kind of like, you know, personality type or or Mm. motivation work or that kind of stuff. One of the things that, that, always gets lost. Um, but that she included was how do you, or do different types like to receive feedback? Mm. And I think that in the context of community, this might be one of the most important parts, not only what motivates you. So I can explain, I do like the, what motivates you, because as Lynn often quotes to me, don't assume malice when incompetence might do. (laughs) Now I think like, don't assume malice when really the Enneagram might just explain it, (laughs) right? Might just be the way the person is and that's okay. But how to give somebody feedback in a, in a meaningful way. You know, if I'm a seven and I really appreciate, here's, here's some of the things that I really appreciate. Create space for the person to generate ideas and solutions and use them as much as possible. Great. If you do that, come to me and you're like, let's generate a list of ideas about how to solve this problem. I'm your person. But if I take that same energy and I walk over to, um, somebody else, they might really struggle with that, or they might feel like I'm trying to coerce them into something, Mm. or I'm trying to convince Mm. them of something. Um, and so it was really helpful to me to think about that in the context of community Mm. of, if I want to have a conflict resolution policy, that's going to work for everybody, Mm. then I need to both understand what works for me, but also to acknowledge that there are some things out there that we're going to need to include Mm that we can all be more successful if we employ. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So while you were saying that, sorry, I was multitasking. I just opened the page and looked at what, how my feedback is. Yeah. And this is, oh my gosh, I just feel like a whole nother light bulb has gone up for me. For, for me, the competitive achiever is make the feedback about improving the Enneagram threes success. And I know that this is how I approach other people. Um, and I and I'm just thinking back to a conversation I had with somebody not that long ago where I was I felt like I was trying to be helpful. Like, how can we work this to make it better? And they were like, I don't want I don't want you to be talking to me about that. I just want to talk about what my problem is. I'm like, well, who I'm and me, I'm kind of like well, let's just move beyond that. Let's Why wouldn't we it. just make it better? Yeah, let's just fix it. Let's just make it better. So, oh my gosh, you know what? I'm thinking this is so complicated. I'm thankful that you keep positioning us as an experiment because experiments often go wrong. And didn't Edison have to have a thousand or go wrong experiments before he had electricity? So we're going to do better than Edison. Okay. <laughs> we're Promise. Okay. I swear. I swear. This is well, great. Is there anything else you wanted to say about the uh, three and the seven walking into a room and uh, in a co-housing meeting? No, I just really, you know, again, like here's my sense of possibility. I just really would encourage communities to consider doing this. I know there's a lot of resistance sometimes, but Mm -hmm. I got so much out of it. And I think we will continue to um, really mine some change and some better ways of living together when we do this kind of work together. 
Maybe we should invite a couple other types to show up here and we can interview them. That would be fun. We should yes. get the eight who thinks they're an eight, but doesn't want to be an eight to talk <laughs> about that. Yeah. <laughs> Match them with a four. Okay. Sorry for listeners. You don't know what we're talking about. And I, we always like to tell you what the numbers in there, but we'll for another day. Yeah. We'll post a link to the Enneagram also yeah. on, uh, in our show notes. If okay. you want to, if you want to delve more deeply. Thanks, Kelly. Looking forward to more discussions about Enneagrams. Thanks, Lynn. Have a great day. Thanks for stopping by today. We're so glad you clicked on our episode. For more information about our project, Cohousing Houston, go to www.cohousinghouston.com and subscribe to our newsletter. For general information about cohousing, we like cohousing.org. We're active on social media, so check out what's happening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Cohousing Houston.